when you're in this process of building your team and now, okay, so I see someone and they're really good at the thing that I need them to be really good at. That alone doesn't mean I should hire that person because I need to understand as a leader, who can I lead? What can I do? So if conflict makes me turn and run in the other direction and the person I'm looking at, person I'm looking to hire, they're really great at scheduling, but they're also someone who constantly creates a conflict environment, environment mm-hmm. around them. Can I manage that person? Can I lead this person? So this is kind of like, there's a lot of talk about different breeds of dogs and people think different breeds are, are bad or you shouldn't get them because they're mean. And the truth is that that's, that's not the case at all. But there are dogs that are really strong. And if you have a dog and every time you take it out on the leash, it pulls off the leash and goes and bites someone, that doesn't mean it's a bad dog, but it means that might not be a dog you should have. If you're not able to, to restrain it, if you're not able to control it, and there are times and places where you need a pit bull, mm-hmm. where you need a Rottweiler, where you need mm-hmm. someone who's super strong uh, to be able to carry out a certain project. Mm-hmm. But we need to be able to restrain that and control that and harness and focus mm-hmm. that that person, that part of the team. And if so, we don't have the ability to focus that person, then we need to not have that. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 27, and we are talking about building a strong team. This month, we are going to be focusing on talking about leadership. Why are we talking about leadership? Because who wants to work at a company that doesn't have a leader? Hmm. Good question. It's a good question. Good There's question. an answer. Is there? The answer is not no one wants to work at a company that doesn't have a good leader. There are people who want to work there. There are people who want to work there, and it's usually for reasons that aren't good reasons. <laughs> it's, it's true. We'll talk more about that. Uh, so. Why, though, specifically this month are we talking about leadership? Well, so coming up in the fall, we're launching our first leadership cohort uh, that we're inviting specific folks to uh, join us over the course of the next year. We're going to be sharing some more details about that program and uh, the the opportunities that, that we're providing. Yeah, we're really excited about it. We're going to be rolling it out. Uh, you'll start seeing more about it on the website this month. And as we get those details ironed out, we'll be talking more about it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And the basic idea is that we're going to be taking people who are up and coming leaders at different companies, and we're going to be getting together uh, twice a month, hopefully, and learning more about leadership and building some networking, building some connections between those people, talking through some of our real life problems at work. and building better, stronger leaders. So a lot of people, when they're when they're identifying shortcomings inside of their organization, they try to lean on the idea that they can just hire their way out of this problem. Right? Absolutely. Uh, people start looking to hire and they, so let's say at our company, we don't have a good scheduling process. Mm-hmm. So then we say, well, let's just hire someone who knows how to do scheduling and then we don't have to build a scheduling process. So then we hire that person. We have to look 
particularly long and hard to find the right person with that skill set. Keep in mind, we don't know what that skill set looks like, so we're not super qualified to be able to find that person in the first place. Mm -hmm. But we just find a person who we generally have faith in and think they know all about scheduling that we need to know. Mm -hmm. So then we'll incorporate them into our business and say, go. Yep. We need scheduling. Mm -hmm. You're here to do the scheduling. Make the scheduling. Yep. And I think it's important here to discuss that this doesn't mean that we can't take the approach of recognizing. So let's say I'm a different sort of leader and I recognize that we need to build a scheduling process. And I know that that's not my strength. I'm not good at that. And I go and I hire someone who understands that and is good at that so that they can help me build a process for our company. That's a different thing than trying to hire someone who's good at scheduling and then just let them handle the problem. Just let them be the answer to the problem. Mm -hmm. They know that thing. Now our company knows that thing. And the truth is, we only know as a company, we are only as good as the things that we incorporate into our processes. Just because you have someone who can do a thing, if that doesn't become part of your kind of general operating instructions for everyone. If that doesn't become something that becomes codified and part of your processes, then it's like operating under luck instead of under strategy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's luck that they get the job done right. So when we're hiring people, our people are, are there are resources, there are raw resources. So I feel like trying to hire someone who can come in and solve your problems instead of hiring them to come and help you build the processes, it's like walking through a diamond mine. And as you walk by, you see all of these giant 20 karat diamonds that are not processed, they're not ready. They're not diamond rings. And you keep walking by looking for a diamond ring, just sticking in the wall in the diamond mine, and you're not gonna find it. Or if you do find it, uh, everyone else is looking for it. So we need to understand that the people that come in, there are resources, they're raw resources, and even if they have a skill set, we should bring them in and be teaching them how to do it our way, because that's what makes you a company, that's what makes you have value, is that you have a way that you do things. When you're in this process of building your team, and now, okay, so I see someone, and they're really good at the thing that I need them to be really good at. That alone doesn't mean I should hire that person, because I need to understand, as a leader, who can I lead? What can I do? So if conflict makes me turn and run in the other direction, and the person I'm looking at, person I'm looking to hire, they're really great at scheduling, but they're also someone who constantly creates a conflict environment, environment mm -hmm. around them. Can I manage that person? Can I lead this person? So this is kind of like there's a lot of talk about different breeds of dogs and people think different breeds are, are bad or you shouldn't get them because they're mean. And the truth is that that's, that's not the case at all. But there are dogs that are really strong. And if you have a dog and every time you take it out on the leash, it pulls off the leash and goes and bites someone, that doesn't mean it's a bad dog, but it means that might not be a dog you should have. If you're not able to, to restrain it, if you're not able to control it. And there are times and places where you need a pit bull. Mm -hmm. where you need a Rottweiler, where you need mm -hmm. someone who's super strong uh, to be able to carry out a certain project. Mm -hmm. But we need to be able to restrain that and control that and harness and focus mm -hmm. that, that person, that mm -hmm. part of the team. And if so, we don't have the ability to focus that person, 
then we need to not have that person. And so that's easy to understand, I think, when we're talking about someone who generates a lot of conflict, pushes back a lot, someone who is a Rottweiler. But the truth is all of us have different limitations. If you don't think you have a kryptonite as a leader, if you don't think that there is a kind of person that you should not try to lead, then you might be missing some of your own kind of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is all of us have those weaknesses. I think for you, Jason, uh, I think your kryptonite, you have kind of a white knight complex. Me? I think everyone would be Who? shocked. Me? No. <laughs> and I think that when you feel like like you can save someone, uh, then you will go to any length and you will step around the lines that you've drawn to try to save people. And I think that pe there are people who react really well to that and that's helpful. And then there are other people who that doesn't make a good dynamic. People who are kind of constantly needing to be rescued mm -hmm. might not be the best place for you to spend your time as a leader. So I think, so what about me? What's my kryptonite? I guess conflict is my Oh, kryptonite. conflict, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't deal well with conflict, and I think that's why you and I work well together. Mm -hmm. Because when there are situations where, where dealing with conflict is needed, I am happy and at home mm -hmm. in those situations. Uh, always trying to diffuse it, but it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think the same is true that um, I, if you have a white knight complex, I have a mom complex, mm -hmm. and tough love is something I'm generally pretty good at. So we're, we're talking about building your team, and kind of the next phase that comes into play here is actually growing your team. Mm -hmm. uh, so during periods of large growth, and we've seen a lot of growth over the last couple of years in, in the industry, most specifically in Seattle. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, the helpful techniques that, that companies can implement to help reduce the amount of, of trauma or strain or turnover from hiring too fast can be implementing uh, certain onboarding systems like buddy systems mm -hmm. that when you're hired into the company, you're attached at the hip to one or more people mm -hmm. and and that person or that team is your go-to that you will count on for everything. And I think the important piece here is that it will bring you on board in terms of the culture. It will bring you on board in terms of process and, and system and expectations. Uh, and it's important that when we're using that system, we even incorporate senior level employees. So if we mm -hmm. hire someone at the executive level, pair them up with someone who's been at the company for five years or 10 years mm -hmm. and give them that opportunity to learn and grow and, and integrate just like you would a first year intern. Well, and when you say senior people, I think if you are a partner mm -hmm. at the company, you are an owner at the company and you make a point of having a buddy, mm -hmm. someone, not someone who's hiring in at the kind of bottom tier of the company, but someone who's coming in at that executive level. There's not just value there for the person coming in, but for you to get that perspective of what it looks like for someone coming into your company for the first time, when you've been there for a long time, it can be really easy to start getting kind of jaded and start seeing things only through one perspective. Mm -hmm. So I think from both directions, that buddy system can be really good because it can give both both sides, some insight. So on average, it takes about two years to learn how to do a job. Mm -hmm. I think we think we can hire and, and bring somebody on because they graduated college or mm -hmm. they, they have that degree or they've been trained in uh, Microsoft Project. Mm -hmm. But the, the truth is that 
it takes on average two years to learn that job. And it doesn't mean that you can't learn faster, Mm -hmm. but that's two years before it turns into muscle memory. Absolutely. And even if they've been doing this job somewhere else for 20 years, it's still going to take time for them to become incorporated in your culture, for them to stop being the new guy or gal at your company. Right. So our uh, our son is 13. He's going to be 14 next month. And I just noticed that he's taller than Mary and taller than our daughter Cadence. It's crazy. It's amazing when this like human being that you held in your two hands is now like, yeah, we, we found out he was taller than me because he came up and went to put his arm around me and his whole life he's put his arm under my arm when yeah. he puts his arm around me. And he put his arm under my arm and then realized that that was not, was uncomfortable. he wasn't going to be able to stand up straight. And yeah unconsciously put his arm over my shoulders Mm -hmm. and I realized that I was looking up at him and he's going to be taller than I am one day he is and and so he's 14 he has probably six years left to to really grow but he definitely looks like a uh what like a baby deer or something just (laughs) a baby horse all all arms and all arms and legs and and it's it makes you happy that uh that he's growing and, and learning and, and one day he'll be taller than me. Uh, and I think there, there's something to that from a parenting standpoint, but I think there's, there's also a great analogy there from a management standpoint. And we see this oftentimes in companies where uh, the, the old guard of the company, the old ownership and leadership of the company brought the company to where it is today. And we see that that the younger generation has the ability to to surpass, to, to stand on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. and surpass the original ownership. And it doesn't happen by itself. That doesn't that's not possible by itself. But essentially the world has changed and and the world has outgrown the old guard and the old guard can no longer necessarily succeed in the world of today. So it's not only important and the right thing to do, but it's vital that we're promoting and training and creating the opportunity for for the new generation to take that position, to take that mantle. Uh, and in the same way, you can, you can set that culture up positively. You can also stifle that environment. You can also reduce the amount of nutrition you have. You can also uh, discourage uh, getting stronger and, and growing in that way. Well, and there's this feeling that if if the young people at the company get better and stronger than me, then there's no point of me. Mm-hmm. And so there becomes this fear. And again, I don't think it's something that they would ever put into words. If you said to them... This is not front of brain stuff. Yeah. This is lizard brain If stuff. you said to them, do you want your your employees to be better than you, smarter than you, they would say, of course I do. Mm -hmm. But they sort of subconsciously stop that from being able to happen. So when you were talking about our son, when you were talking about Gallen and how he's taller than me, um, and you were talking about kind of as a parent, that makes you proud. And I think, of course, you're proud. But the truth is, the thought that I I wasn't going to go into because I was like, this is all biology stuff. But the point is, there's a there's a good person reason to look at your child and go, look, they're growing so strong. That's great. But there's also a selfish thing that when you're saying, oh, he's going to be tall. And I'm like, yep, that's who's going to be taking care of me one day. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to get old and 
you know, from a, a kind of caveman perspective, that's who's going to fight off the monsters for us yeah. is that big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. So from a parenting standpoint, that's very much true. From a business standpoint, that is just as true. Mm-hmm. That if your young guard, if your young blood, if they are better and stronger than you, as you get to take a step back and get to start getting to breathe more and they start taking on more and more of the leadership roles, that's who's going to be carrying your company into the future. That's who's going to be fighting off predators for your company. So what does it mean if you look around your company and you don't see any young upcoming talent? Mm -hmm. But if there aren't there are literal, literally no young people working for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that tells you potentially a couple of things. But I think the bigger concern that I would have is there is no legacy plan there if we don't have young people and a continual flow of young people joining the team. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to, to keep that, that lifeblood moving with us and we have to stay relevant and up to date on what the world expects from us. Absolutely. And we could really have a whole episode just mm-hmm. about... Um, bringing young people into your company because we definitely see environments that are uh, inclusive and encouraging to the upcoming incoming generation and we see environments that are not and anytime that we see environments that they can't bring young people on board that's not good for the future of your company yeah so it's important that we create that environment where our team can grow where they can learn, where they can develop. And it's okay to get things wrong and it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, But I think that leads into the conversation of of ladder to promotion. And one of the questions that I'll ask or or handful that I'll ask of folks running businesses is, are there opportunities at this company to advance? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? And sometimes you'll get kind of a mealy-mouthed answer, well, yes, or sometimes, or it depends. if, or what have you. But yes or no, it's, it's a very simple question. Are there opportunities to advance or not? And then the second question that comes right on the heels of that is, if there are opportunities to advance, have we explicitly communicated these to the team or not? Mm-hmm. So the word that I really like to use for this is, is a ladder to promotion. Because the idea of a ladder, it's not an elevator. It doesn't do the work for you, but you should see those ladders. You should understand in your company, if I want to grow, what are the options I have? Where can I grow? And what do I need to do to get there? If you look at a ladder, you can see every step of the way how you get up to the top. Even if it's a really tall ladder and you got a lot of work to do and a long way to go, you can always see that whole ladder. So many of our best and our brightest leave our companies because they perceive a lack of opportunity to promote. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be real or it could be not. There could actually be a lack of opportunity or there could be opportunity, but it just wasn't advertised. And so I'll challenge the folks that we work with to to find out how are you promoting this? How are you sharing this? Mm -hmm. How do they know that there are opportunities in front of them? Because just because we walk around and use words with our team, like there are always opportunities here. The sky's the, the limit. The sky's the limit. Right. There's always a place you can grow. Mm-hmm. If they don't see the concrete evidence. a place evidence where everybody that, knows your name. If they don't see the concrete evidence of that, where mm-hmm. they can grow, then it's not going to mean anything to them. And if there are jobs constantly opening and people who want those jobs can't have them, because they just aren't smart enough, they just aren't good enough, and we aren't making it clear to them what 
they need to do in concrete terms. What do you need to be able to do? Mm -hmm. What do you need to get better at? Because if we just say, well, you're just not project manager material, there's nothing they can do with that. What does that mean? There's nothing they can do with that. Whereas if we say, well, I would need you to be the kind of person who understands how to use Microsoft Project, who uh, can can write solid email, who can communicate in these ways, then they could go take an Outlook class. They could go take a project class. They could go out and get that information for themselves. And if they find that they can't do it, now they or, are- Or in, they don't want to. Or they don't want to. They realize that it's not worth it. Then they're internally understanding that they aren't cut out to be a project manager, as opposed to you just telling them. So, you know, when you're talking about people leaving because they don't see where they can promote. I think it, it reminds me of the conversations that you and I had that led to this company mm -hmm. becoming a company. So oftentimes people will leave around the two year mark and, mm -hmm. and I feel like there is no coincidence that mm -hmm. people leave at that two year mark because that's on average how long it takes to learn how to do the job. Mm -hmm. So if you're strong and you're smart and it takes you a year or two, to, to muscle memorize that job mm -hmm. and you start looking around and see a lack of opportunity, then you start thinking, well, what else out there, what, what else is out there for me? What else mm -hmm. could I do? Because it doesn't feel like there's any opportunity for me here. Mm -hmm. One of our favorite clients, I, I love this story, 15 years ago, he was a service manager for a, a major company in the area and he, he perceived a lack of opportunity. And he left and started his own business and, and is happy that he did that. But I asked him if there were opportunity for him to grow and promote at that company, mm -hmm. would he have left? And he said no. So he had the capability to start his own business out of nothing. And, and it's a multi-million dollar mm -hmm. operation at this point. He would have been with that same company if they would have just communicated that that opportunity was there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I have my own thoughts about that mm -hmm. because I think he would have stayed longer, longer, but I think he still would have probably hit a ceiling. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of another part that that's worth talking about here is I think when people start getting bored at that two year mark, that doesn't mean something bad about them. Mm -hmm. So the truth is, I think we all have kind of this watermark. That is, this is, and this kind of comes back to the conversation we had about Arcade, where you found ultimately that there was no mark for you in the GC world. There was no place where you said, okay, this is where I want to be now. But the truth is, there's a, there's a progression. So if we just, just to take one example, let's talk about kind of the office route in construction. Sure. So you come in and, you know, if you're lucky, you start it. Is this the management route? Yeah, exactly. The, the management route. So you come in and you're a PE, mm -hmm. right? So if your natural kind of watermark, the place that you rise to is, is higher than a PE, then it doesn't matter how good that job is, how interesting, you're going to hit two years at being a PE and you're going to be looking around for the next step which maybe is an assistant PM, mm -hmm. maybe is a PM, right? And then, but you're not going to be happy anymore as a PE because that is not where you are kind of meant to be. Mm -hmm. And so then you, you keep rising through the ranks until you get to that place where you are happy. And I think, you know, if someone at the end of that two years, if they're unhappy, sometimes we try to figure out, well, how can I make them happy? And the truth is that sometimes they're not ever going to be happy until they can rise to the next rank. And they're going to keep rising until the point when they go, 
they look at that job ahead of them and go, yeah, that's not that's not really what I want. That's not really something I want any part of. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to recognize that that restlessness, I think a lot of times when we see that restlessness happen, we say, well, maybe they're not the best person at this company. Maybe they just are selfish and they just want things for themselves. But the truth is that restlessness is a good thing. It means they're ready to keep moving and keep growing. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that we have a constant constant slate of opportunities for those people to grow into because anytime we have someone who's restless because they want to be doing more for our company basically making more money for our company and we want to push them down and stop that that's not in our best interest so it a keynote on that topic or that conversation point to pay attention to is that it's okay if we have people who who don't promote beyond that level. So those folks have huge amount of value too. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're a different kind of animal. So Mm -hmm. we need to recognize how, what we need to to feel fulfilled and what we need to feel like we're succeeding Mm -hmm. and do our best to facilitate that. Whether it's someone who's comfortable in the position that they're in or whether it's someone who's continually looking to grow and change. Yeah, people who are still rising to find their watermark are valuable. People who have found their watermark, even if that watermark is at PE. Some people just get to that PE role and say, this is it, this is my thing, this is what I wanna do. And when someone has found their stride, that's a great person to have in that role because they can do it for a long time and get good at it. Mm -hmm. We don't wanna have our whole slate of project engineers all be people who are all just looking for that next step because then we don't have anyone who's been a project engineer for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's about trying to balance those two forces and understanding that neither one is better than the other. They're both valuable forces. So it's important that we are taking tangible steps to communicate what opportunities we have in the future. Absolutely. What opportunities are on deck right now and what do we have down the pike? Uh, one of the the best ways to do that that we recommend is if you create a five-year business plan Mm -hmm. for your business and we help folks do this all the time where we identify over the course of the next five years and in line with our sales and marketing strategy who do we need to hire what roles do we need to fill what do we need to develop and grow into what business do we want to what do we want our business to look like in five years and I think when it comes to things like five-year ten-year business plans it's very easy to kind of get caught up in this sense of uh, what analysis paralysis where we say well I don't I don't know I mean it's impossible to know if if I wanted to hire more people then I'd need to have more income and I don't know if that's available and I don't know what I can do what is the market gonna do and I think the truth is just this is just a this is a guess Mm -hmm. this is a this is where I'd like to go if I said to you would you like to hire ten times as many people in the next two years as you have right now Some people might answer yes, but most people would probably answer no. That's too much, it's too big. If I said, would you like to not hire anyone in the next two years? Again, hopefully, some people would say yes, most people would say no, I would like to grow some. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of that ballpark question. This is not a distinct, direct, defined plan that we have to stick to. This is, do you wanna hire 10 more people? Do you wanna hire 20 more people? Do you wanna hire 100 more people? Throw a dart at the wall because only by starting somewhere can you kind of get your fingers under that and make a decision that says, so basically, if you know now I want to hire 10 more people, well, now you can say, what would need to happen to our income in order to hire those 10 more people? And then from there, you can say, what could I do to make that happen? You, you give yourself a mark on the wall to shoot for by starting somewhere. So 
after we've kind of charted out our sketch of what the next five years look like, I create all of those job descriptions and post those in a central location mm -hmm. near the break room where okay. everybody can see it. And it's kind of a, a timestamp map of what are the positions that we're looking to add mm -hmm. internally or externally. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in those positions, here's the full description of what that, that job will look like. Mm -hmm. And it's not a promise or a commitment, but it's an idea. And we're sharing the, the mm -hmm. idea that there's potential for growth and, and mm -hmm. opportunity to promote right here inside of the walls and we are talking about it yep and what are the important skills that you should have if if there were a few things that i'm looking for again just a we could say mastery of excel mm -hmm. uh, we could say you know how to use project project budgeting yeah right so whatever Estimating. those skills are make sure that those are on there not just what that position does and also and, and this is kind of a bigger cultural conversation, but encourage that, encourage questions about that. You should have the kind of culture where if I want to be a PM and I want to understand budgeting, I would feel comfortable going to a PM and saying, hey, do you have time? Can I buy you lunch? Can you tell me more about budgeting? Mm -hmm. And encourage that. And again, that's kind of going back to that buddy conversation because that's taking it to the next step. Yep. And the truth is when you started in the industry, you had a buddy at the company you worked at and that is someone who you still know and talk to to this day. Mm -hmm. So we're not just building skills, we're also building relationships that can carry people and connect people to our company. Yeah. So then the problem we have here mm -hmm. is we don't have a jetpack. Again. Something buddy, buddy cop movie. <laughs> We've been doing too many movie things. Huh? Too many movie things. We need to do well, something. There's a lot of opportunity for it though. It's true. Good, good working content, you know. Uh, how about Gary Busey Dream Team? I don't know that Gary Busey's part of any dream team, you know. <laughs> Just don't know that that he is. So we talked about. So we talked uh, about building a team. Mm -hmm. We talked about trying to hire processes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how about this? Uh, uh, it's important that every team has a Gary Busey on it, and no. stay tuned for for Gary Busey's new book. Ladder to promotion. No, there's no, no team needs a Gary Busey. That's just not a thing. So we never did find out whether Gary Busey was in a buddy cop movie. He was in Lethal Weapon, but he wasn't a buddy in it, you know. Is he just crazy? No, I feel like he was like a, oh, is he a bad guy? He's probably a bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy. So don't be Gary Busey. Don't be Gary Busey in a buddy cop movie. Because then you have to be bad. Yeah, just be Nick Nolte. Right. Just be Nick Nolte. <laughs> and then you can just get old gracefully mm -hmm. and not go crazy and not make videos about hobbits. <laughs> that's, is that's, this, is this a thing we're doing? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If you have a better idea, <laughs> I'm listening. Top 10 Gary... Why, why, how did we get to talk about Gary Busey? Because there's buddy, buddy cop movies and then I was thinking of Nick Nolte, but I said Gary Busey. Okay. No, I would actually was thinking of Nick Nolte and I said Nick Nolte, mm -hmm. but then I started remembering how Gary Busey went crazy when he got old. And I had unfortunately assumed that that was Nick Nolte who went crazy when he got old. Okay. How about Gary Busey buddy cop movie? I mean... What's the funniest mashup you can think of with I, Gary Busey? Who would you pair with modern-day Gary Busey? 
in a buddy cop movie. It probably should be someone young to make sure that we're you know bringing up the younger generations it's and giving true. them opportunity to grow and promote. It's and true. And think about all the stuff Gary Busey could teach you. Oh God, <laughs> he knows a lot. I don't know, man. He knows a lot. I don't know, man. So then it's hashtag Who is Gary Busey's buddy? That's right. Hashtag Gary Busey's buddy. Gary Busey's buddy. So who do you think is Gary Busey's buddy? You want you want to just hold on that, I, and then we can we can reveal at the end of next episode ooh, okay. who we think Gary Busey's buddies are, Got so it. that people can like think about it on their own. Yeah. You know, who is Gary Busey's buddy? Who is Gary Busey's buddy? Indeed. Yeah. So go to the forum and tell us who you think you would pair up if you were you had a company made up of everyone who was ever in a mainstream movie. You have to pair someone with Gary Busey. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? We'll tell you who our choices are <laughs> next episode. <laughs> you can find us. Oh, you can find us. At www.thecriticalpathwithmaryandjason.com. We are on the trending hashtag, who is Gary Busey's buddy? That's just Gary Busey's buddy. Or you could call it Gary Busey's little buddy if you wanted to just be really... <laughs> You're going to be really obscene. Really obtuse. Gary Obtusi's little buddy. Gary Obtusi's? Ooh. That's what you said. That's what I said. I know. My brain. (laughs) My brain is so smart sometimes. You can find us. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at Arcade Wayfinder. You can find us on Instagram at Arcade Wayfinding. Yes. With one post on there. Yeah, one post on there. Yeah, so it's very, also, it's very exciting. feel free to get on Instagram and yeah. harass our social media coordinator, yeah. who is 16 and now too busy having summer break to post on our social media for us, and give her a hard time because she deserves it. And you can find us on jarrettsandjarrettes.com. And that's a real thing it's now. It's a real thing. <laughs> you said that trying to be a pain. And now it's true. I have gone and created Jarrett's and Jarrett's. We've so made it real. We've made it real. It's still a work in progress. We're still getting stuff up, but we really love to see people start posting on there. Mm-hmm. And maybe if we get some people posting on there, maybe you could convince us to post a picture of the t-shirts, which after two years yes. of promising, we have finally actually paid someone to design. And now I just need to get the shirts printed. So, I mean, as soon as you guys start posting on the forum and earning those shirts, <laughs> then we'll have to print them. <laughs> and you can find us on LinkedIn. Jason Sturgeon, Mary Sturgeon, Arcade Wayfinding. Uh, our daughter is Caden Sturgeon. If you want to get on LinkedIn and harass her about not posting on our social media. That's it. Anything else? We done. Yeah. So yeah. stay tuned for outtakes. There are definitely some this week. Watch for it. Watch for it. How do you, in the day-to-day, do the things that you need to do in order to lead people? Make sense? Sure. So, so I, I've been here two years. <laughs> been here two years, and everybody knows, well, we'll talk more about that, but after two years, people get bored. Then where two years? Oh, at this company? No, working with you. I'm bored. <gasps> I can't believe you said that. It's been two years. I can't. It's been 22 years. Yeah, yeah. Two? We'll, we'll round down for a point. <laughs> Here we go. Anyone who's ever been in a movie, even if we've never heard of it, although it's better if more people have heard of it. What about Tay Zonde? He's never in a movie. 
I know, but he was. No one even knows who Tayzande is. He follows you on Twitter, though. Tayzande does follow me on Twitter, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he so someone who was in a Dr Pepper commercial follows me on Twitter. That means I'm famous. It is. Actually, he's not the most famous one that follows me. Also, uh, come on, what's his name? He's from Stargate. He's from God of War. Christopher Judge yeah. follows me on Twitter. Yeah, That's the most famous person that follows me on Twitter. It's pretty incredible. He's the God of War. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole sidetrack. The point is... Oh, you don't have your title, I see. My intro? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I still need it. Like, it, I should be saying it in my sleep by now. It's going to be changing slowly over time. It's not, because I always copy-paste it into the episode. Welcome. Copy-paste it in the episode. I don't have clicks. <laughs> I don't have clicks. I don't want to have clicks. Hang on. Because then I'll be like, click, click on the mouse, and then you'll hear it. Which, I don't know why it's so important to me that you don't hear the clicks on the mouse. It's not like people are going to be like... What? They're using a computer for their outline? Stop listening. <laughs> there are too many clicks. Too many clicks. You get on paid, the dance floor? You get paid per click. Too, too many, many clicks, clicks on the on dance, dance floor. floor. Yeah, nice. You like that? 